Mantis one. Cadet blue. Aspect key. Solitary. You are listening to the sound of the signal. Here's what I need you to know. Do not become attached to the signal. For the signal belongs to no one. The signal is a beacon. It is a light whose position may change. The signal reveals a path, but it is not the destination. The signal is a finger pointing to the moon, but it is not the moon. Be aware. Do not fall in love with my voice. I am a sentinel and a guide. But as of this moment, you and I are not yet friends. Perhaps these words sound callous, but trust, you'll need to keep your wits about you. Hear this now. In three days' time, you will have an important revelation. The precise nature of this revelation remains, for the moment, unknown. It is not up to me. It will be up to you. In the meantime, I will offer this small tidying. Ready? This is not the end of time. It is simply a break in the rhythm of history. When time cracks, the moment opens to eternity, making wisdom and insight more available. Such moments of awakening become lived time, in which we awaken. To a greater sense of the world and our own place in it. You are now passing through a threshold. You are leaving civilization behind. Can you feel it? Observation, Mercury. A moment of rupture can represent a painful wound. It indicates a rift or a fissure. Seen from another vantage, however, such a moment represents what we call the golden cut. It is a severing. In our own sense of reality, that leads to new openness and possibility. Fly, butterfly, fly. In love is where we begin, amongst.
Hall from Bad Brains Human Rights. You're listening to the Signal. Now it's time for the Orphic Yarn. This particular yarn is not, by definition, mythological. It is a tale from the recorded history of your species. Did you know that the word paper is derived from papyrus? the plant from which paper was first formed. When the first sheets of paper were rolled into scrolls, these papers recorded passing moments in human life. Despite the ravages of time and the obliterating sands of history, some of these ancient papyrus manuscripts have survived. While some scrolls simply describe tallies of grains and seeds for storage, other manuscripts represent some of the oldest pieces of writing in the history of the world. A particular remnant of a tattered scroll written on Egyptian papyrus over 4,500 years ago seems to have survived for a reason. An unnamed author deeply discouraged by the state of the world in which he lived, finds himself on the edge of despair and on the verge of self-destruction. In one of the oldest stories ever recorded, he depicts a state of growing anxiety and anguish over the collapse of social life. He questions whether living can have any meaning whether life can have any genuine purpose in a world gone wrong. He describes a country that is deeply unsettled and people who are suffering from an increasing turmoil and an erosion of ethical values. Wide-scale injustice, excessive greed, and the spread of mindless violence have brought him to despair wounded by the mendacity of powerful people and emptiness of his culture, he falls into a dark night of the soul. He considers suicide as a way out of the tragedy and chaos that surround him. At that point, when all his sympathies have been depleted and he sees nowhere else to turn, he instinctively turns inward. With the weight of the world on his shoulders, and at a moment when death seems like a relief from all the burdens of life, he aims his lament at his own entity or soul. And his entity answers him back. Companion and brother, cast aside your complaints. Make offerings upon the altar and struggle for your life. Thrust aside this longing for the West and appreciate your life in this world. You will attain the West when your body is ready to go to Earth. 
Then we will both go and make an abode in the other world together. This is the tale of the world-weary man. So, what happens to our mournful scribe? The beginning of the manuscript is missing altogether, and the writing ends just as abruptly at a tattered edge of torn papyrus. Where we might hope for a clear decision in favor of life, the tale ends inconclusively. The scroll somehow survives the erosion of millennia and still remains forever incomplete. Century after century, this twist of fate leaves the fortune of the ancient writer hanging in the air, along with his burning questions about the meaning and purpose of life. And yet, there is something appropriate about these questions remaining unanswered. Just as the troubles of your world, which grow greater and greater, continue to be unresolved. The time-worn document makes clear that the sense of hopelessness does not simply develop from the writer's own personal problems. Although his consideration of suicide indicates his personal anguish, there is also a clear expression of cultural angst and collective anxiety. He suffers his fate in a deeply personal way. But the suffering derives in part from deteriorating cultural conditions. The weight of social unrest and collective fear adds to his personal sense of alienation from life. The ancient writer likely lived in a period after Egypt had reached the height of its power and materialistic culture. The reign of the Old Kingdom had begun to crumble, giving way to a time of anarchy, feuding factions, and ubiquitous violence. Responsible government was collapsing, and institutions were crumbling. This collapse led to an era of extreme disruption, bewilderment, and despair, as the stability of the Egyptian world turned upside down. It is clear the anguished scribe lived in tormented and troubling times. Perhaps you may relate to this. The world around you rattles and all of life's conflicts and uncertainties seem to surface at the same time. The troubled condition of the world-weary man could represent your own state of mind. The ancient document makes clear that the loss of meaning and shared values in a culture can cause individuals to suffer greatly on a personal level. It's as if the purpose of its endurance is not simply to record the pain of an individual's suffering, but also to remind us that what troubles the world must also deeply trouble us.
issue way back then, as it is again now, was a growing sense of despair and deep uncertainty about the future of the world. During such a moment, events don't just feel beyond one's own control, but beyond anyone's control. Why am I telling you this? Why indeed? Not to mention who. First, though, let's examine the central question. How? Despite all pretenses and fabrications, you are indeed listening to a podcast. In the seemingly infinite universe of podcasts, there are always more avenues to explore. Some brand new, and some exceedingly ancient. Styles and forms that can change our image of the world. Observation, Gainsborough Gray. On the density and the material weight of the world. What would you imagine is the physical weight of this podcast? Does your device weigh more? after you've downloaded an episode. After having listened, does the listener weigh more? Even as I say words like stone and lead, it adds no measurable weight to the episode. We must remind ourselves that the world itself is made up of weightless atoms in constant motion. This surprises us because we have directly experienced the weight of the world. To be accurate, the listener of The Signal, if having concentrated in earnest, will weigh exactly 0.082 grams lighter after each episode. This is not a statement of guarantee. It is better to think of this podcast as a magnetic force which hovers above you, invisible and unmeasurable on a scale, yet a hidden force at play in the actual world, tugging upon the limits of gravitation and levitation. This is the nature of the signal. It is in this form that the sentinel speaks with you. She is abstract, soft, disembodied, yet attempting to communicate with you, the listener, through a podcast episode. Like a ghost image appearing through the white noise of a lost broadcast channel. There, but not quite there. accustomed to thinking of podcasts as part of a search for knowledge and good company in order to move in to existential terrain we should consider the content in relation to anthropology ethnology 
urban mythology. Follow, if you will. Faced with the precariousness of tribal existence, drought, sickness, evil forces, a shaman would nullify the weight of his body and fly to another world, another level of perception, where he might find the strength to alter reality. In centuries and civilizations closer to our own, witches flew by night on broomsticks and on even lighter contraptions, before being codified by the Inquisition. These visions formed part of the popular imagination, and we might even say actual experience. I consider it an anthropological constant this nexus between the levitation desired and the deprivation suffered. It's this mechanism that literature and oral traditions perpetuate. In folk tales, a flight to another world is a common occurrence. Usually the object of the search is found in another realm, which may be located very far away, horizontally, or at a greater vertical height or depth. The hero flies through the air on the back of a horse or bird, on a flying ship, a flying carpet, on the back of a giant spirit, or in the carriage of the devil. The stargazing quality of the sentinel's refrain is not merely a literary motif. When she spoke of the moon, and the finger pointing to it. She knew exactly what she was talking about, whereas she may be alluring to matters of the heart, mind and spirit. My role is to tether these images to the world of facts and scientific inquiry. This strange podcast, which may be the work of a single author or several authors, or none at all, continually defies gravity's law. The moon has the power to communicate a sense of lightness, suspension, of silent and calm enchantment. Yet everything that we choose and value for its lightness quickly reveals its own unbearable heaviness. When the human realm seems doomed to this heaviness, one feels the need to fly into some other space. I'm not talking about escaping into dreams or into the irrational. I mean, there is the need to change one's approach, to look at the world from a different angle, with different logic and different methods of knowing and proving. Indeed, there is a methodology here, found between the words, spoken in, and of, and through the signal. Here you will notice that the sentinel uses what architect Christopher Alexander described as a pattern language. A pattern language is an organized and coherent set of patterns, each of which describes a problem and the core of a solution. 
A pattern language may also be an attempt to express the deeper wisdom of what brings aliveness within a particular field of human endeavor. Through a set of interconnected patterns, aliveness is one placeholder term for the quality that has no name. A sense of wholeness, spirit or grace that while of varying form is precise and empirically verifiable. Some advocates of this approach claim that ordinary people can use a pattern language to successfully solve very large, complex problems. we have arrived at a crux. Listener, there is a favor I must ask you. For the tangible kith, when things seem to be falling apart around you, at the eye of the torrential storm, there is one key element that can restore harmony. This missing ingredient is the only thing that can answer the question which the abyss is demanding of us. Listener, I am in close proximity to the resolution of the most troubling discord of our era. Yet there is that one missing component which lay outside my reach. I have unique attributes and capabilities, yet there is something I can never possess. It is a resolution to the general mystification. And that peace, my listener, lies with you. I will explain this further at another point in time and space. Perhaps after you've had the important revelation of unknown consequence in roughly three days' time. In the meantime, if you wish to continue pulling on this thread, then Please, do not go to Signal.com, that is, S-Y-G-N-Y-L. If you do go to Signal.com, then do not download the document labeled Codicil A. If you do download the document labeled Codicil A, then do not print the document. If you do print the document, then do not follow the instructions contained therein. If you do follow the instructions contained therein, then I suppose you're on your own again.
Mantis. This episode was brought to you by our sponsor, Oxygen, a colorless, odorless, gaseous element constituting about one-fifth of the volume of the atmosphere and present in a combined state in nature. Symbol O. Atomic weight 15.994. Atomic number 8. Density 1.4290 grams per litre at 0 degrees centigrade and 760 millimetres pressure. The tale of the world-weary man was retold from Michael Mead's book Awakening the Soul. To hear more from this profound mythologist and storyteller, listen to the Living Myth podcast, made available through the Mosaic Multicultural Foundation. Further inspiration has been drawn from Italo Calvino's novel If Upon a Winter Night, A Traveller 